T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Bears will take over possession. Amen. Hallelujah. 25-24. The Bears have the lead. They're going to win this thing here in Seattle. Watch Marquise Goodwin do his backflip. Right, yep, he is the protector and no backflip in the cold weather in Seattle. Good. Takes the knee and that'll do it. it. Oh, he did, and he stuck the landing in the snow as well. The Bears get the win, 25-24 in comeback fashion. Nick Folk leads the game winner and finishes it off with a Jimmy Graham touchdown catch and a two-point conversion by Bird for the lead and the win. A very happy Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer on our sister station, News Radio WBBM. I had missed the amen and hallelujah there from uh, Joniak uh, during the broadcast. Uh, that was sweet. And uh, as was the backflip from Marquise Goodwin, uh, the, the traditional backflip from Marquise Goodwin after a Bears victory. Mike Esposito here with you for one more hour till 9 o'clock. And we're going to talk Bears, as you might have guessed by the intro Bears coming off that win in Seattle. Let's head up, hop on out to the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. You find him on Twitter at Sean underscore Hammond uh, from Shaw Media and Bears Insider. Sean Hammond joins us. And uh, Sean, appreciate your time and uh, kudos to you. And, and I happen to notice on your Twitter timeline, your pinned tweet, uh, kudos to your, your wife for, for suffering through Bears-Lions uh, a few weeks ago so that you guys could uh, spend Thanksgiving together. That That's a something right there. That's a keeper. Oh, yeah. She's a trooper. She uh, I, I bought her a, a ticket, a solo ticket. <laughs> she was sitting there. I could see her from the press box. It was a great day. Yeah. No, that's that's uh, that's love right there. If you make it through Bears-Lions in Detroit on Thanksgiving morning, then uh, that's, uh, that's a keeper. So uh, appreciate you joining us tonight. Uh, and the Bears coming off of that win in Seattle – uh, a, a little anticlimactic. I don't know. I want to get your take on this as well. Uh, the comeback was great. The finish was exciting. Uh, great catch by Graham and great catch by Bird uh, to, to get the uh, the game-winning plays there uh, from Nick Foles. Uh, but I know a lot of Bears fans, it, it's almost, um, I don't want to say irrelevant because obviously you're watching the game. You're a Bears fan. You want them to win. It's not going to affect draft position because they don't have a first-round pick. But I think at this point, a lot of Bears fans just kind of want this season to be over, right? They want to see what's going to happen afterwards. What's your take and what's your interaction as you're dealing with, with the Bears and with their fans uh, lately? Yeah, well, it feels like, Mike, that you know we've kind of been in this spot now for a couple of weeks here, especially since they, they were eliminated from, from playoff contention. You know, we're, we're kind of just waiting for the end. 
and and what what that exactly means, uh, you know, we'll have to see. We think that means the end of the Matt Nagy era. We we aren't entirely sure what it means for for the Ryan Pace era, but it was good for Bears fans to have something to celebrate on Sunday. You know, you had the end of a, a holiday weekend and you, you go out on a good note and, and I know fans were excited about that, but, but yeah, now once you get into Monday and Tuesday, not a whole lot has changed. It was a nice win. There was some heroic moments and you like to see that when it's been a tough season, but, but not a whole lot long-term has really changed. So we're, we've got a lot going on. Uh, with COVID, right? There's the uh, proposed changes that we've been reading about today from the NFL and the NFLPA, uh, reducing the time from 10 days to five days uh, for for quarantining, which could affect guys' availability um, depending on how they test. You have guys uh, like Allen Robinson just back uh, from the COVID list talking about uh, how sick he was and he lost a lot of weight. Jalen Johnson is back. Um, but but certainly the the COVID protocols and the COVID uh, illnesses, uh, you know, from from players around the league and including certainly the Bears, um, I, I can't think of anything else that's come close to this in terms of the effect it can have from week to week on NFL games and certainly on the NFL playoffs. No, it's been really wild to watch. I think uh, I think I saw a tweet out there today or yesterday that the, there has been more players placed on the COVID list in December this season than there was all of last year, which is pretty crazy if you think about it. And, you know, you look at the Bears, uh, I believe right now they're down to just three players on the COVID list, but but that number was pretty high there last week and, and yep. really the last two weeks. At some point, I think they were up, you know, they were in the double-digit players, a, a dozen, 14 maybe. Um, yeah, it, it has really affected it's affected games. I mean, you haven't had Allen Robinson out there. If you're the Bears, they, they missed Akeem Hicks badly last week. Uh, Seattle on Sunday, they, they ran the ball really well. you got to think that Akeem Hicks has play, plays a factor in that aspect of the game. And, and certainly, you know, we all watched that Monday night game where they were playing without their entire secondary. So it's, yep. it's, been, it's been a little bit of musical chairs for a lot of these teams. And, you know, I, I think it's good that the, the NFL is, is – going to or, or looking at adjusting those protocols because we've seen you know not just in the football world but but the cdc and and uh, just out there in life that that we have to you know keep adjusting the protocols for for these things because it's it's not uh you know it, it's constantly changing yep no doubt about that and it's certainly uh strange to to think of where we're at now uh compared to you know all the all the uh, pre-COVID, I mean, to consider what's happening. You would have never thought it, but uh, yet here we are. Uh, and, and you mentioned Alan Robinson. I wanted to ask you about Alan Robinson because to me, um, I, I just, I can't put my head around how Alan Robinson has been. It's either mishandled, misused, uh, or, or has he just been that disappointing? Because here's a guy who to me was your best offensive player for several years. And now all of a sudden he's not even the number one wide receiver anymore, nor is he getting many looks. He, his stats are, are down across the board. Um, and you have him on the franchise tag for the year. So you're paying him $18 million for the season and certainly not getting that type of production. What in your mind has happened this year with, with Allen Robinson? Yeah, it's really head scratching. It's, it's hard to know because when you're paying a guy $18 million for one year, you're, you're obviously expecting production. And, 
Um, for, for whatever reason, that just hasn't been there. You know, it could be the fact that, that he's playing with two, two new quarterbacks and Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. And, uh, you know, you can't, that matters, you know, the, the, the relationship that he had with Mitch Trubisky was, was, you know, they had been together for several years, but at the same time, you know, you see a guy like Darnell Mooney stepping up and, and co- coming into that number one role as, as the bears top receiver and um, sort of taking that spot from Allen Robinson. But, but you're kind of just scratching your head. I don't know exactly if it's, you know, Allen Robinson still has that, that ability. He's still the same player that he was last year and the year before that when he he totaled over a thousand receiving yards um you you just wonder about the way that he's being used you know are are they utilizing his skill set the best possible way and and do they have uh, a quarterback who who can take advantage of him uh you you wonder that with a rookie talking to sean hammond uh from shaw media bears insider talking bears uh, for a few more minutes here with sean on 670 the score mike esposito here with you uh, we've we've talked a lot on this station, certainly about Matt Nagy and his offense and um, how he does things. And is he or is he not uh, making uh, amends to to his system to to match what his players can do and what their skill sets are? Uh, to me, that that's the the weirdest thing with the Robinson thing is that here's a guy who's clearly produced. He's clearly been uh, one of your uh, more productive players over the years and throughout his career in the NFL, you would think you would be able to amend that. To me, that's one of the biggest indictments of Nagy. I wonder if you agree or disagree is that you have, um, to me, a, a coach trying to fit everyone into his, his system instead of amending his system to, to fit what your, your players are good at. Yeah. And, and it, it's not going to change unless it's a priority and, and we don't really know what the priority is is right now with Matt Nagy and the staff. But you look at what they did last year down the stretch, uh, those last six games, they really did adjust the offense to fit Mitch Trubisky's skill set. And I don't know that they have necessarily done all that they could to get Allen Robinson going. Um, You know, on some level, it's got to be on the player and and it's got to be on the quarterback to throw him the ball. You know, you look at his target numbers, I think the last – uh, the last four games he's played and the most he saw was six targets. So, you know, that's, you know, they're, they're throwing him the ball, but it's not the same level as what it had been uh, the year before. Yeah. And, and to me, it's like, all right, he's a one, a number one receiver. Um, you know, think of him as, and I'm not saying he's Devonte Adams, but think of him as the bears Devonte Adams. I mean, he's the guy who should, in my opinion, or who has uh, certainly produced at a level where he should be getting uh, those kind of touches or those kind of looks. Um, and, and you're not necessarily seeing it. So um, I don't know. That to me is a mystery. But I do agree with you. At the end of last season, the Bears seemed to, and I don't know, do you think this was more of a Bill Lazor calling plays type thing? Or do you think this was a um, systematic type thing that the Bears uh, did go to their strengths? They did. A lot of people forget they did make the playoffs last year, uh, albeit a very quick exit after losing in New Orleans, but um, they did make the playoffs. They did uh, get to 500. They did make the playoffs. Yeah, they did. And and certainly Bill Lazor had, had some effect on that. You, we saw Matt Nagy turn over the play calling, uh, you know, midway through last season. And, and it, it still took a few weeks for them to really find that right recipe. And, and it helped too, that they played a couple of teams who weren't very good during that stretch. 
Um, but at the same time, you know, Bill Lazor's calling the plays now. So you would think that he would find some way to, to get Allen Robinson going. Um, you know, it, it's, it's such an unfortunate way that this season has gone for him. You know, certainly Allen would, would want to have, he'd want to be putting up better numbers right now, you know, especially if he is going to be in free agency uh, here in March, you know, the bears could franchise tag him again, but that's going to be even more expensive the second time than it was the first time. Uh, you know, it's, it's looking like this, this could be it for him in a bears uniform. So uh, it, it's an unfortunate end to, for a guy, if it is the end of his bears tenure, it's an unfortunate end for a guy who really was the engine for this bears offense the last couple of years. Yep. Agreed on that. Um, wanted to get your uh, opinion on the offensive line before we let you go. And again, it's uh, Sean Hammond from Shaw Media and Bears Insider. Uh, the two rookies specifically, uh, Tevin Jenkins, who's got a shoulder injury, so he's battling that. We're not sure how much we'll see of him going forward. Larry Borum, um, the, the guys who came in the draft, I know Jenkins the higher pick, but I know Borum has also shown uh, more, I think, uh, certainly has more had more opportunity with Jenkins with the back injury early on. Where do you view those two? How do you view them as pieces going forward? And, and is Jenkins a left tackle? I've heard it, I've heard it uh, mentioned that maybe they're better suited to, to flip Borum and Jenkins to, to play Borum on the left side. What, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, I know that's uh, that thought is out there. I, I do think that, you know, Jenkins has, has it, the, the tools to be a, a good left tackle. I talked to his, his uh, offensive line coach right after the draft from Oklahoma state, Charlie Dickey. And, and, you know, he spent a lot of time at right tackle in college, but, but uh, uh, coach Dickey was saying that, uh, you know, that wasn't because he couldn't play left tackle. That was just, you know, somebody got hurt on their offensive line his senior year. So they moved him. I think he started the first game at left tackle and, and they felt it was better to put him on the right side because somebody else was more comfortable on the left. And, uh, you know, he was confident that, that, Kevin can play left tackle in the NFL. You know, he has the tools to do it. And certainly you're right. We've seen a lot more of Larry Borum. I thought he looked pretty good uh, playing the left side on Sunday. Uh, he, he came in for, for Jenkins after Jenkins injured his shoulder, um, which hopefully Tevin's okay. We'll have to see this week how that plays out on, in, on the injury report. But um, I, I thought Borum did a pretty good job on the left side. I think that's, that's really, you know, that that's a luxury having a guy who can play both sides and, and it, it gives the Bears uh, the ability to to mix and match and, and and try different things with these guys. And hopefully that's hopefully they're thinking these same, you know, going through these same scenarios as they look towards next year. Yeah, no doubt about it. And with Justin Fields too, we we've done a whole Bears segment without talking about Justin Fields. We're going to remedy that in our our last question here. Um, do you think he's going to play? Uh, and do you think the ankle is well enough? I mean, what? It's it's not the most difficult of schedules going forward, uh, and certainly I th- in my opinion, the more work he gets, the better. Um, but uh, but what what do you look for from Justin Fields if he's able to go the last two games here? Yeah, well, we'll get a, a lot better idea tomorrow on Wednesday when we get their first injury report. I, I will say I was a little surprised. It seemed like the the ankle injury sort of came out of nowhere. You know, he he practiced in a limited capacity to start the week last week, and then didn't practice on Thursday and Friday and, and everything they had said was that, Oh, he, he should probably be fine. And then of course we get to Sunday and Nick Foles is playing, uh, you know, so hopefully he's able to go this week. You certainly just want to see more 
uh, you know, more of the the progress that that we had. See, we've seen glimpses, you know, against the Steelers and, and glimpses in that game against the Packers. You, you just want to see him put together a full game. And, and honestly, this Giants team is a team that he should be able to do that against. Yes, agreed. And uh, Bears fans, I know, will be glad to see Mike Lennon back uh, on the other sideline. And I'm sure the jokes will be a flying, but. Uh... Bears could get uh, their second in a row. We'll uh, we'll be watching on Sunday and uh, appreciate your time, uh, Sean. Thanks for jumping on and talking some Bears with us. Yeah, as always. Thanks for having me. Sure. That's uh, Sean Hammond, Shaw Media. You find him on Bears Insider as well. You can find him on Twitter as well, at Sean underscore Hammond. Uh, for lots of Bears coverage as well. Uh, you could find him there. And uh, good talking Bears with Sean. When we return, uh, a few more segments left for me before I'm out of here at 9. We'll catch up with Olin Krutz uh, at 8.40. But coming up next, our old pal and Bulls play-by-play man Chuck Swirsky was on with uh, the afternoon show, Big Ant Aaron and Hub Arkish today. Uh, some good Bulls stuff and, and Chicago media stuff there. I wanted to bring back some of it. We'll do that next. Uh, right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. Jump pass. Levine, Pooch, deep left wing three. Baker's good! The bank shot is good by the Pooch! Pooch in 31 minutes, just nailed his fourth triple off the glass. That's Chuck Swirsky. Bulls Radio Network right here on 670 The Score and the Horizon Therapeutics Bulls Radio Network. The Bulls have won four straight. They're in first place in the Central. And uh, all is well there uh, in Bulls land. Uh, One of the fun things uh, that we got to listen to here on The Score earlier today, Chuck Swirsky, the uh, voice you just heard there, doing uh, a segment with Big Ant Heron and Hub Arkish earlier this afternoon. They talk Bulls, but they talk some Chicago media stuff as well. Give it a quick listen. Some of the best dance moves of any Play-by-play in the business and also one of the great voices. Having a great old time. It's Chuck Swirsky. This is the Parkinson Spiegel Show on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, Anthony Heron and uh, Hub Arkish in for Danny and Matt. And we have the voice of your Chicago Bulls joining us right now in the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas Hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. Chuck, I'm wondering, do you go into some of these moments on your Twitter at CTS Bulls? Do you go into some of those moments? Is it all just sort of in the moment when you put your dance grooves out there in the Twitter sphere, or do you choreograph things to any extent? I got to learn from the best. Do I choreograph? Does it look like I do? (laughs) (laughs) You you just let the groove hit you. (laughs) So, hey, Anthony, you want to hear a story about Hub? I would love to, please. I think I may have already told it, but go ahead. (laughs) I don't think I've ever shared this story. So, And this is about a Hall of Fame quarterback. So Hub and I would do drafts, everything. I mean, like, it was like joined at the hip. And I loved Hub's insight. So there's a quarterback that didn't even see, like, any activity, just minuscule with Atlanta. And I didn't even know how to pronounce his name. Favor, you know, far, whatever. And Hub says, hey, there's a guy on the Falcons that just got traded from southern Mississippi to Green Bay. I said, I looked at this F-A-V-R-E, and I'm trying to think, okay, how do you pronounce that? And he goes, Brett Favre. And I said, okay. He goes, you check him out. I said, all right. And that's a true story. 
Turned out he did okay for himself. Yeah. I knew how to pronounce that name. So, so, okay. so, I, so, I, I like I Peter to Tom Willis too, though. So you know that's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, how about this? So we're in Sewanee, Georgia, Anthony. We're right. in Sewanee, Georgia, and the Bears are training for a playoff game, and they're using the Falcons, you know, facilities. And Bill Tobin is like the guru of the front office. And I'm sitting in the press room, and I like Bill very much. And he comes to me and goes, what do you think of the draft? Who would you take? I said, if you're asking my opinion, just my opinion, you have a lot more intel, obviously, than just Chuck Swirsky. I like Jim Harbaugh. And he goes, why do you like Jim Harbaugh? And I said, because I think the guy's a born leader. And I said, this revolving door, quarterbacks, guys are getting hurt. Guys are inconsistent. So who did the Bears take in the first round? <laughs> there they you go. Have, yeah, they now, that had nothing, now, I had nothing to do with that draft. But it just showed you when you look <laughs> back how things like, you know, whether it's Brett Favre, Jim Harbaugh, I mean, that, so I love talking football. I love talking bulls, but I love talking football. Now, Hub did start sharing with us earlier about that you were, I suppose, the main influence. You, you were the one pushing him towards the radio mic. So before we get into some deep bulls discussion, I got to hear the, the details on you getting Hub involved in this business. Well, I came to Chicago in 1979, and I did a sports talk show, and no one listened to the show. We had zero listeners. <laughs> and... Uh, and that's true. Even our engineer didn't listen. And, and so we had these, you know, like in those days, like right now, everything's on a computer, digitally, whatever, for commercials. You hit a button and the spot goes straight through the radio. Well, in those days, we had what we called a log and it was a tablet of paper. So you could follow how many commercials you had to get in in a break in front of you. And you just take a pen and check them off. Well, you know, like I would get to work and I would look at the daily log and it was a blank piece of paper. We didn't have any commercials because no one listened. So, um, so I, all of a sudden there's a pro football weekly that came to the radio station. And because I love the NFL and I love the NFL, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, this is unbelievable. And so I'm looking at the table of contents and the directory and I see the last name, Arkush. And I said, I got to get this guy on the phone. And help you, you tell the rest of the story. Well, yeah, I, I told it earlier. Chuck called the office, and, and the name he saw was my dad's. And my dad had just yep. passed away a few weeks earlier. And so the receptionist said, there's a guy on the phone who wants to talk to the publisher. And we all looked around trying to figure out who that was. And, and then we realized it was me. And and I got out with Chuck, and he said, hey, you know, can you come down to the studio? And I went down to the Twin Towers, and uh, we did the show, and, and, and it went pretty well. And, and, and uh, so he said, well, you got to come back. And we started doing a regular show every week. Um, uh, and, and then actually, uh, there was a, a guy named Mark Mason, who was the program director at ABC in New York, ABC radio who was in town for a convention and he tuned in to check out Chuck and, and he hears me on the show with him and he calls the office the next day and he says, uh, you know, I heard you last night. It was pretty interesting. We got a guy named Arthur George Russ Jr. 
who does um, four hours of sports talk every night, six nights a week in New York. And at that time, it was huge radio and it was New York. And uh, I went on with Art and I hit it off with him, too. And, and, and then from there, you know, I talked a little bit earlier about we, you know, we, we separated. Chuck went to the loop. I stayed away. Chuck went to GN. Dan Fabian put us together. And, you know, Chuck, I, I think the, the beyond the, the, the debt I will always owe you, the other thing that always sticks in my mind, I know you'll share this, Anthony, Chuck and I grew up at a time at WGN Radio when we would sit around the sports office, literally at the feet of Jack Brickhouse, Harry Carey, Wayne Larrabee, Dave Annett, Dwayne Statz, um, uh, uh, Tom Brenneman. Uh, I mean, you know, Milo just, Hamilton, my, Milo, Luke yeah, I mean, I mean we, we, it was like yeah. a who's who. Jack I mean, Rosenberg it was, was it was unbelievable yeah, to Jack. walk in, and I mean, in one chair. I mean, I shared an office with John Drury, who is a legend in this city as a news anchor and journalist, and Jack Brickhouse. I mean, and then all of a sudden, Bob Collins was like 10 feet away, and Wally Phillips would walk in. And, you know, I'm 25 years old, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. But it was a lot of fun, and we had a lot of good times. And, in fact, um, a little Bears trivia in 19, I know I'm dating myself, but in 1979, the Bears made a run at the end of the season and got into the playoffs and played at Philadelphia. And in the press box in those days, the media could smoke, okay? And I happened to be sitting next to Johnny Morris, the legendary Channel 2 anchor and host of the Mike Ditka Show. And Johnny was still very much into it. And he was getting nervous, and he was, like, smoking right next to me. And I'm sitting in the press box. You know, I got Johnny Morris next to me. I got the smoke in the air. I'm watching, you know, a horrible penalty call on Brian Bashnagel, and the Eagles won the game because Wilbert Montgomery went off. And so you, you have moments like that. You know, guys, I, Chuck just reminded me. I really want to get to the Bulls here, but to tell you how things have <laughs> yeah, changed. Yeah, we, we will okay? call Bulls, Anthony. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but I mean, yeah. here, here's, here's, here's how things have changed in the world today. Um, in, in my uh, years in the booth, uh, Wayne and, and myself and our, our various other partners, uh, and, of course, the, the legendary Mark Zarang, uh, Steve Bertram yep. is our producer, uh, we flew on the team plane. That, that went on until the, the mid or late 90s. And I would be sitting towards the back of the plane, about five rows in front of Mike Ditka. And I, I was actually a smoker until the early 90s. And I'd have my pack of Marlboros. And, and you know, I'm on the, the Chicago Bears NFL team plane, chain smoking my way back from Tampa to Chicago <laughs> with Ditka puffing on a cigar behind us. And, and, and you know, imagine that happening in the world today. It's just, uh, it's, it's, I guess, uh, you know, I don't want to be telling my kids how I walk 14 miles to school every day in the snow. Uh, but, but things have certainly changed, Charles, haven't they? Yes, they have. Anyway, we'll talk Bulls because it was a great game last night. <laughs> you know, yes. I mean, hey, hey, you know what, Anthony, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, like really, who's who's not playing tomorrow for Atlanta? They they got Bogdanovich is out, Collins is out, uh, Sharif Cooper, rookie out of Auburn, uh, Gorky Zhang who played well last night, uh, Malik Ellison. You're probably too young to remember. Never so nervous, Purvis Ellison, who was oh, a Purvis. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's his son. Uh, Gallinari's out. Kevin Herter is out. 
Jalen Johnson, their number one pick out of Duke, he's out. Uh, Timotei Louis Cabarro, he's out. I mean, it's like, oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay. And the, the Bulls roster itself, Chuck, has been they, – they got ravaged by COVID for, for a few yep. weeks there also, and games were getting canceled. They were really on the front end of it from an NBA perspective, and, and now you're, you're getting personnel back. But I'm wondering what stands out. You see like a, a Zach Levine just come back off of not playing for two weeks and just light it up for 32 like he didn't miss a beat. I, I'm really curious how they've been able to still continue to look so sharp with all these different guys who've been in and out specifically for the Bulls lately. You know, that, that's a great question. Here, here's what I've been throwing around in my brain, why this club has come together with, like, basically a brand-new roster, okay? So I'm thinking you've got three players who are elite talent, all-star players. You've got Vucevic, two-time all-star. you got Levine, all-star. He's going back to the game, obviously. DeRozan, all-star he's going back to Cleveland as well so you've got three players okay then you got Lonzo Ball who's having a career year uh in my opinion defensively certainly but shooting the three ball I love Lonzo big fan so then all of a sudden you say okay what else do we have you got glue players Javante Green to me is a guy that he he's you could play him on guys that are 6'10 6'9 Okay, and he can give up four or five inches because he is tough and he's got a great base and he doesn't move off his spot. You got Caruso, outstanding glue guy. You've got a lot of glue guys, and then all of a sudden you got really good role players. Last night, the job Io did as a rookie on Trey Young, oh my word. I mean, you know, because Io competes, and if you notice, and they look at the box score of last night's game. Io had four field goals, and they were all in the paint on drives to the rim, some in transition, some straight to the cup off the dribble. And I love this kid, and this kid's going to have a terrific career. But I love what's happened to this team and how they've been able to mesh. Chuck, we were were talking about this earlier in the show, that that there's just so much more talent here that anybody realizes that they're still figuring out you know, how they're going to play together over the course of the season. But the other guy who jumped out at me last night was I heard people almost dismissing the idea of Kobe White being a part of it. And yet he's come back now, and I'm watching him last night, and and I'm not so sure that that, that he isn't eventually your your sixth man, at least your scorer off the bench. You know, he, he he can be the microwave. He can be the guy who comes out and heats it up. Yeah. You were actually listening last night, but that's all right, Hub. So, um, <laughs> I was. <laughs> you know, that's okay. Uh, of course I was listening to you, man. <laughs> I get it. No worries. So, uh, but, you know, like Kobe, uh, you know, since he's been back the second time, he's been inconsistent. He's trying to find his rhythm. But, like, in the third quarter, he had 10 points, and he was knocking down Jays. So, I mean, here's another guy. Anthony, how about Matt Thomas? I mean, Matt Thomas, seldom used in the NBA with Utah and Toronto, but he can shoot the rock. I mean, I saw him play at Iowa State, and I really liked his outside perimeter game. And, I mean, he came in, boom, boom, boom. And when he's in the, on the floor, there's one thing on his mind. I'm going to jack it up if I get a clean look. And he should because he's, a, he's got a great release point on his jumper. And so it's, it's players like this like a Javante Green, 
like an Ayo Sumo, like a Matt Thomas, like, you know, Kobe, who's the first guard coming off the bench when everyone gets healthy, and now he's starting, of course. But that, I love the makeup of this team. And last night in Atlanta, where they had a sellout, a rare sellout in Atlanta, it was predominantly a Bulls crowd. And I, I just feel like I should point out that on our Twits, Twitch chat right now, we've got folks putting you in the Hall of Fame as they love your call on the Bulls yeah. games and everything that you've provided to the city of Chicago over the years. But Chuck in the Hall of Fame himself, Chuck Swirsky, here with us on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. And the, the dynamic of, of Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan performing together, and especially those late-game moments, that's something Levine even recently referenced himself, that he's learned from just being around, playing with DeMar DeRozan, the calm that falls over DeRozan in those late-game moments. What have been your observations about just watching these two premier scorers but showing themselves as premier teammates and premier distributors and more engaged defenders even, the way that they're playing off each other so well? Well, I'll say this. I think, number one, they're extremely professional. And, I mean, they they want to win there at a point, you know, as we've – talked about many times, Zach's never been in a playoff game. And I think he wants to get that off his back once and for all. Because every time someone does an in-depth interview with him, it surfaces. And I think he just wants to put that to bed. And DeMar, I think, is playing not with a chip on his shoulder. He's playing with a boulder. And, Anthony, let me ask you a question. When you played pro football, okay, did you listen to talk radio? And did you read the newspaper? Did you have a feel, the vibe? of what was being said about you in the media? Um, I mean, it was there. It was certainly present, but didn't spend a whole lot of time on it. Okay. Well, I think a lot of players, um, they get, they yeah, especially with social media now, yeah. they get it. And, and DeMar heard exactly what was out there. How could the Bulls give up this much to San Antonio? How come they gave up this amount of money? And you know what? I think he came in to training camp with, you know, okay, I'm going to show a lot of people that I still have plenty left in the tank. And this guy has delivered. He is having a magnificent season, not a great season, magnificent for what he's able to do when in the fourth quarter. And I love what he did the other day when Levine was on a roll and he told Chris Fleming, the acting head coach, he said, hey, you know what, I'll I'll play off him. he's, he's He's got it going, let's go. I mean, how many players would would do that. But that's what his makeup and character is all about. Chuck, I'm curious for your take on something else Anthony and I talked about a little while ago. Not only is it just a lot of fun to watch these guys play and to see how much talent they have, I actually have a real confidence in them continuing to play this well and getting better because it's the first time since Thibs was here that I have confidence in the coach. And and I don't know if I'm reading or hearing enough uh, about the quality and the class that Billy Donovan you know brings to all of this and the, and the job that he's doing. Well, he's done a, uh, an unbelievable job. Uh, again, uh, facing the fact that a lot of these players, are, are you, know, you come into training camp and they've competed against one another and they probably, maybe they share the same agent. But it's one thing to share the same agent, maybe you get in the pickup game in the offseason. It's another when you're in camp and you say, oh, by the way, uh, this is going to be our starting lineup or here's our rotation. And it's it's an adjustment. And I think Billy Donovan has done a fantastic job, number one, treating these uh, players like men. 
because that's what they are. They're not college kids. When you sign that pro contract, you're a man. And with that comes a lot of responsibility and accountability. I think the players have bought into what Billy Donovan is all about. And I just think it's remarkable. And again, this uh, this is a marathon. I mean, they, they play just over 30 games. There's a lot of ball to be played. But I just love the chemistry on this team and their approach every game. I mean, I'm talking about every game. And once the game is over, okay, who's next? Doesn't get much better than that. It has been so enjoyable to watch that play out. And, of course, not only to watch it on television, but to hear the call. If you're out there and you want to check it out on NBC Sports Chicago, feel free. You can turn that dial down on occasion, listen to Chuck Swirsky, or especially if you're driving around just doing your thing, Chuck on the call, whether he is joined by someone else, rolling solo like he has had to do sometimes this season, Bulls basketball as fun as it gets. Keep it rolling, Chuck. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Guys, thank you. Go Bears, go Bulls, go everyone. Go, everybody. That's Chuck Swirsky on this afternoon. Our afternoon show, uh, Big Ant Tarrant and Hub Arkish. We're in for Parkins and Spiegel uh, today. Uh, some great stuff there from Chuck. We'll get back to talking football with Olin Krutz coming up next uh, before we are out of here at 9. It's Mike Esposito with you on 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. Last segment for me this evening, Mike Esposito here on the score till nine. Talked to a bunch of bears tonight. We will finish with one of the legendary bears, Olin Krutz. He's on every Monday with Mully and Haw, Bears Monday, following each and every Bears game. Uh, a few minutes of uh, his segment, uh, the good stuff here, uh, as cut by our friend Brian Callahan. So here's Olin Krutz yesterday with Mully and Haw. <laughs> Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. It's always a Christmas morning when we get to talk to Olin, and he joins us now on the uh, score hotline presented by Circuit Resort Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Olin, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm good. You know, uh, it was fun to see the Bears win. I don't know that, that, that you know, that, that I, that, Nick Foles or Jimmy Graham or Demir Bird. I don't know who matters when you start thinking about the future of the team, but it was just like a, a neat little snow globe of a game, and it made the afternoon more pleasant than it had been. Yeah, when you, when you have to analyze it like us after and look at the overview of the win, obviously uh, you don't feel really good about it, but watching it, uh, cheering for the Bears – hoping to come out with a victory after, you know, I think one and eight or one and nine in the last 10 or 11 weeks. Uh, finally getting a win, watching Demir Bird uh, catching that ball, watching Mooney fight for extra yards, uh, watching Montgomery catch balls out of the backfield and run guys over. Uh, you get caught up in the game, right? You get caught up in a win. Uh, you know, even though we analyze the team, we still follow them. Uh, I'd still cheer for them. And, and when you're yelling at the screen and you want them to actually, damn it, win a game in Seattle, uh, it was good to see them uh, beat Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, uh, who have their own problems, obviously, uh, after watching them play. But uh, a good win for the Chicago Bears. Obviously, eventually, uh, you have to take an, uh, an overview of the whole game and what it actually meant and who they were playing and who wasn't playing and uh, the way they actually went about winning that game. And you start to question some things. But as far as just getting a win and feeling good about it uh, in that moment, uh, hell yeah, at the end of the game, going for two 
uh, converting that play, Demir Bird. I don't know if you'll see a better catch uh, this year, especially for a guy uh, I've been hard on uh, when, when Mark Grody said that he's he's coming along. Next time I got to listen to our partner, Mark Grody, who works the sidelines uh, for the Bears because this kid does make a huge play there. So, Olin, obviously, yeah, for the present, it was fun. For the future, mm-hmm. doesn't mean a whole lot. But when you look at what Nick Foles did in making his first start toward or first start since uh, last November of 2020, what are we to make of it? How difficult was it to do what Nick Foles did, and what did you think overall? Um, I think he looked like a veteran quarterback, right? I think he looked about like what you think Nick Foles would look like against uh, one of the worst defenses in the league. Now, obviously, they don't give up uh, a lot of points. They, they average give up 20 points a game, but I think they are uh, the worst pass defense in the NFL. And uh, they had, I think, two cornerbacks on a COVID list, and, and they went after John Reed late, who uh, when we talked to – I'm losing his name now, but the uh, Seahawks writer for the Athletic, right. Michael, he told yes. us – that this guy would be the guy that, that you could go after. He just, They just signed him. He would be their fifth or sixth cornerback on what is the worst pass defense in the NFL. You know, Jamal Adams is out. Obviously, the Bears have their own problems with injuries. Allen Robinson uh, still on the COVID list. But uh, Nick Foles uh, picked apart a, a veteran quarterback, picked apart the worst defense in the NFL. So uh, looked like how you thought he would look. They found Jimmy Graham late against. I think that was uh, John Reed. Uh, they found him late, a credit to them there. But uh, n- nothing really surprising yesterday except for the fact that the Bears do come out with 25 points because no matter who has been at quarterback, they haven't been able to put the ball in the end zone. If you think about it, uh, early, I think it was the second drive of the game when they get stopped there uh, inside the 10-yard line and they throw the ball short to Montgomery for whatever reason, don't throw the ball in the end zone uh, early in the game. They could have even had more points there. So the Bears come out with 25 points, could have had at least 28 with a field goal there, went for it on fourth down, could have had 30-something points, which is for me, uh, we talked about in the pregame show, uh, where were they going to find these points that they haven't been able to find all year? Uh, they finally convert some. They're very good on third down. But I can't say, David, that I really am shocked at what Nick Foles did yesterday. Michael Sean Dugar was the guy mm-hmm. we talked to in the pregame show, Olin. And, uh, and you know, I, I – find it fascinating when we look at the Bears and where they're at right now that one of the first things we discussed this morning is, does anything happen today? Um, you know, we know that Ian Rappaport reported that the uh, the Bears, uh, uh, you know, could make a change at coach if, in fact, they lose. That's the way that he termed it. <laughs> I don't understand why that game would matter, but they did win. Do you expect anything going on with Matt Nagy? Do you read this as if nothing happens, then that means maybe Pace is in trouble too? How do you interpret what we are going to be waiting for, be it today or at the end of the season? Listen, after last year's end-of-the-year press conference, I have no idea what to expect from the people up there at Hallis Hall. We heard them say last year that uh, they don't have the quarterback, they don't have the wins, but everything else is in place. So if they go by that, I mean, they could say we have the quarterback. We just don't have the wins, but everything else is in place. So I don't know uh, what exactly they're going to do up there. You would expect expect with these new rules that they would have to start to uh, interview coaches. It, it would just be they'd be at a competitive disadvantage if they didn't. Right. If they didn't let Coach Nagy go, if they were moving on for him, like you're saying, uh, geez, I hope yesterday's game doesn't have a lot to go into the decision that should be already made 
uh, after, you know, 2000, you know, since week 14 of 2018, they haven't been able to fix the offense. They haven't fixed the run game. They haven't scored over 18 points a game for that long. So you have all of these games, all of these years to look at. I hope playing uh, the five and nine Seahawks in Seattle had nothing to do with your decision on whether you're moving on from your coach because of a new rule that the NFL has put in place that almost forces you to go out and look for a coach or you'll fall behind everybody and you may not get the guy you want. So if the Chicago Bears are moving on, um, they should do that. But them doing what they should do to improve their team, uh, you know, that's anybody's guess what they do today. That's Olin Krutz, blunt as always, and uh, as we have learned, uh, they have not done any of that. Matt Nagy still coaching the Bears uh, for the final two weeks, and uh, we will see what happens. Certainly a topic of much conversation coming up here on The Score uh, over the next few weeks and certainly well into January as the Bears season ends and the fallout begins. Uh, Our thanks this evening. Brian Callahan did a great job producing the show. We appreciate you, Brian. Uh, Thanks to our guests, Sean Hammond. Uh, from Shaw Media and Bears Insider, Rob Schaefer, NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, We also caught up with two of our colleagues, Bruce Levine and David Haw, Uh, although for very sad reasons, uh, the the passing of our friend and colleague here in sports media, Jeff Dickerson. Uh, J.D. was only 44 years old. He leaves an 11-year-old son, Parker, uh, who is now without both of his parents, who have both passed from cancer. I retweeted out the GoFundMe page uh, for Parker, uh, from JD's sister-in-law, I am at Espo670 on Twitter. Peggy Kaczynski, I saw, uh, also has tweeted that out among others. So you can find it out there on Twitter if you'd like to do something uh, for young Parker Dickerson. Um, uh, certainly, I'm sure that would be appreciated. Uh, we love to uh, talk sports with you every uh, time we get a chance. Uh, certainly appreciate listening. Be back tomorrow morning in for Molly and Haw. Myself and uh, Gabe Ramirez will be filling in for Molly and Haw. We'll look forward to talking to you then. 5 a.m. tomorrow right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 